I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, April 10th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, happy Easter, happy Passover, happy Ramadan, whatever it is you celebrate, we hope you had a great long weekend, Peak Pals. For our fact of the day, $5.77 is the average cost of a beer in Nova Scotia. This is per square. Now, it's the most affordable beer nationwide, while Quebec, though, faces the highest average cost at $9.14 per brewski. Have you had a Nova Scotia beer before? I have had a Nova Scotia beer, but it sounds like it might be cheaper to actually get to Nova Scotia and drink as much as you want and come back than to actually go to Quebec and have a beer. Yeah, and Halifax is beautiful in the summer, Jay, so it might be worth a trip. You know what? I don't know if I've had an actual Nova Scotia beer. The only Nova Scotia beer that comes to mind for me is Alexander Keith's. I have got this strong suspicion that that's owned by one of these like international conglomerates. It's what we talk about a lot on the podcast, actually. I will say, though, Brett, I am in the United States and talk about this and the price of alcohol in Canada is exorbitant compared to the price of alcohol here. Yeah, it's the taxes. They really do add up. And I wonder what the impact of that is, if it's good or bad. I think it probably nets out being good. I think that's probably true between taxes raised and people drinking less. It's probably net good. Probably something we could discuss for a long time, but not for now. Brett, aside from the price of beer in Nova Scotia, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Apple is growing in India. For our second story, 24 Sussex is in trouble. And for our last story, Google can't fire Germans. (laughs) We'll get to that. For our first story, Apple's first ever retail store in India is set to open any day now, but that's hardly the only move the biggest tech giant is making in the world's fastest growing major economy. Brett, what else is happening in India? So Apple plans to make 10 million iPhones in India this year, 3.5 million more than in 2022, with the potential to produce 25% of all iPhones there by 2025. After Apple's assembly partners set up new facilities, India will also crank out iPods, no, sorry, AirPods, Apple Pencils, and parts for Apple Watches, iPhones iPads, and Macs. You're aging yourself when you say iPods, Jay. No. Apple is also looking to expand production in Vietnam for AirPods and Macs, Malaysia for Macs, and Ireland for, you know, simpler products. <laughs> like iPods, just kidding. Ramping up production around the world comes at the expense of production of China. Apple has a deeper relationship with China than most U.S. companies, but like any long-term pairing, the relationship is not without its problems. Like Romeo and Juliet, Apple and China are from rival factions. As geopolitical tensions ratchet up, U.S. tech is expected to pledge allegiance. China has also proven to be a shaky partner after factory closures during lockdowns and a worrying trend of population read worker, they're declining. India, with its growing population full of skilled workers and a less threatening geopolitical status, is the new pretty thing that is the apple of Apple's eye. I like what you did there. And it matters because Apple consciously decoupling from China is a sure sign that the neo-Cold War is in effect, and it has the potential to permanently reshape global supply chains. But unless World War III breaks out, Apple won't leave China entirely. Google is not in China. Meta is not in China. Amazon is not in China. One researcher pointed out to CNN. So Apple is very reluctant and very careful to make sure it won't rock the boat. For our second story, when 24 Sussex Drive, the Prime Minister's official residence since 1951, was shut down over health concerns last year, we thought, well, how bad could things possibly be? Well, the answer we know now is mountains of dead rodents. That sounds really bad, Jay. What's happening at 24 Sussex? Well, I just threw up in my mouth. But documents from the National Capital Commission, the NCC, obtained by the National Post, detail the decrepit conditions of 24 Sussex, including mold, corroded flooding, asbestos, and so many mouse carcasses that it affected the building's air quality. And to catch you up, 24 Sussex has not received a substantial upgrade in over six decades. The last Prime Minister 
sister to live there with Stephen Harper. And when Justin Trudeau took office, he said, no thanks, and moved into nearby Rideau Cottage. I <laughs> can't really blame him. In 2021, the NCC estimated it would cost $36.6 million to restore the abode merely to, quote-unquote, good condition. The NCC also proposed starting from scratch and replacing it. When asked about the fate of the 155-year-old limestone-clad home, Trudeau said that consultations are ongoing and that it was important to balance the historical heritage nature of that building and the needs of government. And here's why it matters. Official residences are more than places where world leaders sleep and throw pool parties. They count for diplomacy and optics on the world stage. Canada is seemingly the only Western country with one that's, well, unlivable. And last year, the NCC found that 24 Sussex falls far short compared to the official residences of Canadian allies. The bottom line is this. Canadians are split on whether to renovate, rebuild, or rip it down for good, but most will agree that the sorry state of 24 Sussex is a national disgrace. And for our third and final story, Europe's strict labor laws are slowing down the international leg of the tech layoff tour. Now, faced with a slowing economy, high interest rates, and the realization that they may have overhired a touch during the pandemic, big tech is desperate to slash headcounts. But in Europe, robust labor protections make it challenging to fire people in some countries, like France and Germany, without consultations with employee interest groups, per Bloomberg. Over 120,000 people have been fired across the tech sector so far this year. Most have been in the U.S., where employees can be legally fired for really almost any reason. In France and Germany, though, bargaining with employee groups prior to layoffs can be a long process of disclosures and negotiations with the possibility of legal action. And here's why it matters. Labor laws typically skew towards benefiting either employees or employers. In the U.S., where laws are more employer-friendly, companies can fire workers on a whim. It's inspiring for people in the U.S. to see things are different in other places. It's a blueprint for what people can fight for that, according to a Google software engineer telling Bloomberg. In France, Amazon has reportedly offered as much as one year's pay to get senior employees to leave. By contrast, in the U.K., where labor laws are weaker, between 500 and 8,000 Google employees have been let go so far. And in Canada, labor laws aren't as robust as in Europe, but they're more employee-friendly than the U.S. It's one reason that the tech layoffs wave has been slower to spread up north. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thanks, Brett. Have a great week, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.